Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete, and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm gonna have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are gonna be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive and that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us, learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I get to introduce to you a softball yoga instructor. All right, you're probably like, what? This is a thing? Yes. Kalia Snare is basically changing the game when it comes to mind-body connection, but she specifically has a passion for teaching softball athletes how to use yoga and stretching and breath work to help you unlock your inner potential as an athlete. So of course she's the perfect guest for the show. Let me tell you a little bit about Kalia. Kalia played first base for the University of South Carolina. She left her career as the SEC doubles records holder. So basically she's had the most doubles out of anybody that's played in the SEC. The SEC is one of the top conferences in the nation competitive wise. That's pretty legit. She also holds these program records, doubles per game, walks, and walks per game. She was also the SEC all-freshman team. And now she spends her every day as a yoga instructor, teaching softball athletes and anybody else who wants to learn the mind-body connection to help them unleash their potential. She also has her master's in kinesiology, so it makes sense how when she was learning these things as a student athlete at the University of South Carolina, she was learning how the body moves. She was also breaking records at the University of South Carolina. So I don't think that's a coincidence. And the reason why I'm passionate about this is because I did the same thing. I studied a lot of kinesiology and I believe knowing how the human body works, especially muscles and how they fire and when they fire can help you become a better hitter. This is why I love tying that expertise that I've learned in school to 
my profession now as a hitting coach. But she also talks about in this interview how that was huge for her as she was learning these things, as she was learning about how the body moves, it helped her become a better version of herself as an athlete. In this episode, you're going to learn Kalia's very unique recruiting story. And it's really a cool one. She literally played on the opposite side of the country than she was born. And she talks about why she wanted to play there and that journey. And I know anybody going through the recruiting process can definitely find use in just the beginning story of her recruiting story. We talk a lot about visualization. You know, Kaylee is all about mind-body connection and being able to have your thoughts in tune with how your body moves and um, adjust to pitches and adjust at bat to at bat. And crazy enough, yes, yoga is a big theme here and stretching is a big theme here, but truly the breath work in order to get in tune with your body and be the most present in each moment is something that she dives into. And I don't think it's a coincidence that she was able to be the SEC doubles record holder and is and still holds that title because she was able to use this work that she's about to share with you in her actual game and it changed the game for her. So obviously we dive into some breath work. You're going to find that she does a three to four minute meditation. I do not recommend doing this while you're driving because it helps you become more present, which means closing your eyes and just being in tune of where you are and what your focus is. That, That requires a lot of just stillness and quiet. So I recommend doing this whenever you're about to play a game. Um, And Kalia talks about the importance of, you know, taking a few seconds for yourself before and at bat and, you know, priming yourself, getting your mind right before games. And it's so interesting how the mind-body connection is so prevalent in yoga and stretching. And you're going to learn so much. If you don't know much about yoga, I know there's a stigma around it. Like, oh, yoga is just for certain people. I'm telling you right now, this episode will change your mind if you listen to it fully. She also talks about some of her favorite stretches and what she would recommend athletes do before and after games, just so that you're right, you're, you're prepared, you're taking care of yourself um, and recovering well. Um, how many times a week she recommends to do a yoga practice or meditation practice. And I really love that she is giving us a gift. Uh, She is giving us a PDF that athletes can use to prep yourself before and after games. She, I didn't ask her to do this. She was just like, here you go. You can have it. So you'll be able to find that in the show notes, um, which is such a gift. I mean, she didn't have to do that, but I truly believe because she has such a giver's heart. She just knows that whoever takes advantage of this is, is serious about leveling up their game. So There's so much more in this episode that I could share with you, but you're just going to have to dive in. You're going to love this episode. There's a reason why Kalia is one of my great friends, and you're about to find out why. So let's head to the episode with my great friend, Kalia Snare. Hey, 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 welcome back to When the Cleats Come Off. I got my good friend, Kalia Snare, in the house. Kalia, how are you? I'm doing great, Ashley. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you here. So thankfully, Jen Shro and the Package Deal crew introduced us to each other. We both were on their roster for a while. 
Um, and we both still are active with TPD. That's why I'm, why I'm wearing the hat today. Um, but I'm so grateful that the world brought me to you because you have taught me so much about the importance of stretching mobility and you teach it in such an eloquent and beautiful way to where I'm just so excited to have you here. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me here. And I, I uh, also think that it's so cool being part of um, something where we played on different opposite like spectrums, didn't know each other until coaching brought us together. So um, yeah. happy to be here talking about um, my passion uh, as I continue to coach and to teach. And so let's get into it. Let's do it. I, I still can't believe we never played against each other. Like I'm, I'm just flabbergasted by that. But Thank goodness we were brought together at some point and I got to learn from you and we're going to learn more from you. I have so many questions planned for you, uh, but I want to start off with this. First of all, congratulations, you're engaged. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking before this. I'm like, girlfriend, get ready. Like this is, this is the fun part. But yeah, that's so exciting. And so I really want you to kind of share your journey through the game of softball. Take as long as you need, but I really think it's important for young athletes and parents to really get to know who you are and how you got to where you are. Because everybody right now, they're in their own thick of things, and I feel like your story is something that everybody can relate to in some aspects. So if you want to share that journey from you, from young Kalia to now, we'd love to hear it. Great. So young Kalia. Um, <laughs> so I started playing softball when I was eight, turning nine. Uh, I think for some people that may seem late, for some that may seem early. Um, but that's when I started. I actually started out um, in dance, tap, ballet, and jazz. <laughs> um, and I was put into eight and under. And my mom told me after this year, you could go back to dance. So I stopped dancing, started softball. <laughs> Needless to say, I never went back to dancing. Uh, softball has been it for me since I was eight years old. Uh, my first position was a catcher. I started travel ball when I was 10, turning 11. But I was playing rec and travel at the same time. And I remember that time of me just absolutely wanting to commit to travel. And I think that for me, even being that young, that switch was, I want to do this because rec was just, it wasn't as competitive. Um, but my mom didn't let me quit rec because she said, you made a commitment. You're going to see both through, and then you can continue on to travel ball if that's what you want to do. So I toughed out that year. And then I was in travel ball since I was basically 11 years old. Uh, I played for a very teams. I'm from California. So I played for SoCal Wicked, SoCal Choppers, American Athletics, eventually ending up on the um, SoCal Athletics. In my 18 and under year, we won back to back to back um, PGF championships. Hey, yo. That's cool. Yes. But a little bit about my travel ball journey. You know, I went to all of the Colorado you know, recruiting tournaments, stuff like that. I know the meat and bones of what everybody wants to know is how did you get recruited? So uh, I had been seen in my 16 and under um, team, but I hadn't committed to anybody until I went on to my travel ball team, again, the SoCal Athletics in 18 and under. And that's when I actually took my trip to South Carolina. Um, and I took my trip to um, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. I only did two, uh, which if I had advice, I mean, my 
journey is my journey and I enjoyed it, but I would um, maybe see more schools if you have the opportunity to. But also if you go to one and see the one, I mean, that's great too. Um, For me, South Carolina and Cal Poly are completely opposite types of programs in the sense of being in a power five conference versus being in a smaller conference close to home. And so for me, I'm, I'm an only child and I left my family in California and went across the country to South Carolina because I felt comfortable there. I wanted to be more competitive. I'll actually share this, that um, at the other school I visited, they said you could be an all like an all player of the year. You can become an all American here. Like basically saying that your talent is already at the top here and it wouldn't be hard for you to get X, Y, and Z. And I was like, hmm. I'm, I'm a competitor. I want more of a challenge. I want to play with the competitors and I want to get better in college. I don't want to just get there just to get there. I love that. Uh, Yeah. So that's ultimately, there were many reasons I chose South Carolina, but, um, my coaches were amazing. The campus was great. Um, they had a brand new shiny stadium, um, that was opening the first year that I was there in 2013. So there were a lot of factors, but my journey leading to there, like, it was automatic that I wanted to play in college and get a scholarship. There was never a question. It was like one step after the other, like I'm getting on better teams. I'm getting better. I'm working towards this goal. Um, I can't say I had a, when I was eight years old, I had a dream of going to UCLA, like many of the eight-year-olds here in California do say. Um, But I just know it was a natural progression and it was an opportunity to continue on what I was passionate about and keep working hard and developing myself. So Fast forward through college, um, I was always a leader on my team, a captain. Um, I enjoyed my experience because at South Carolina, um, it wasn't being another fish in the sea. It was actually being an impact player. And that was something that was huge for me. I learned that being a better teammate matters more than anything else that you do. And that's something I'm really grateful uh, for in college because the people and friendships that I have and how I treated people are so much different than the home runs, the doubles, the walks, the hit by pitches, whatever, the big plays at home. Uh, So I just, you know, enjoyed my experience and I graduated in 2017 and um, have since then been coaching. I'm, I'm not a full-time coach, but I do do lessons and I became a yoga instructor, which is ultimately why you're having me here. Um, So yeah, that's my journey. Yeah. I love your journey. And I love that you were humble and said, you know what, here's what I want to do. I'm not, I don't want to just walk in and be the best. Like I want to be challenged. Like that is something that I think, you know, at least in travel ball culture, sometimes I see, you know, these teams are playing in tournaments where they they just win every time instead of, you know, you got to, you got to take in the hard losses. Like you got to lose 12 to zero to really know what you're made of. And that's amazing. It seems like every year you're at South Carolina, like you just, you got better and better simply because you had that growth mindset. Um, and man, you ended up being the SEC doubles record holder because, and probably because you weren't in pursuit of that. It just happened because you're working on becoming the best version of you. And I love that. I love your story. Thank it's you. amazing. Thank you. I love it. And yes, you are the only person that I think that I know that is teaching softball athletes how to use mobility and meditation and breath work to help them become the best versions of themselves. And ultimately that's the biggest reason why I wanted you on the show, because you are teaching something that like nobody's teaching. And I'm like, you got to be here because 
I think when it comes to stretching and yoga, it's like there's a stigma with yoga. It's like, oh no, it's either you love yoga or you just don't do yoga. And I'm sitting here thinking, I remember it was, I think before I got to Purdue, I had to do like workouts on my own. And my dad had this P90X video. Mm. And there is this 90 minute yoga session in P90X that was literally the death of me. I remember doing it for the first time and I'm like, I hate yoga. It is so hard holding this pose, trying to stand like a tree. Like I hated it at first, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm sure you're going to get into here in a second. As I kept doing it, as I kept practicing it, it got easier and it got easier. And then I started wanting to do yoga. So I would love you to share what got you into this. Why, why do you, why do you want to teach yoga to softball players? Yeah. So uh, I'll talk about my personal practice first. Uh, I started my sophomore year in college. And the reason I did it was because um, our massage therapist at South Carolina, she was like, I think you have to start doing something else besides just coming. Cause I wasn't stretch. I mean, I was stretching the basic foam roll dynamic mm-hmm. warm up stretch. Mm-hmm but there was no like intentionality behind how I was recovering or stretching or treating my body. So I went home the next summer, found a yoga studio and signed up for, you know, their two month intro, whatever it was. And I did yoga like four times a week. I was just like, <laughs> I'm diving into this. My like, I don't know. I'm, I guess it was my, I have nothing to do this summer, you know, in the mix of hitting and making sure that I'm refining my softball skills, I need to recover. And that's what I did. And so I did that, was committed to it. And I felt a world difference in my body in just two months. Um, really? Yeah. It was more about like simple movements were just easier. Like the lower back, like strains that you feel, or just like my shoulders and chest were more open instead of like having to, okay, I'm sitting in good posture because a lot of times softball players are like this, right? And you really have to think, pull my shoulders back, but just noticing light, being lighter, being able to move with more ease, uh, was a big thing that I was like, okay, I'll, I'll keep trying this yoga thing. And I will admit in college, when I returned, I didn't do it as much as I would have liked to, because I didn't have the time management of it at that piece, you know, balancing so many other things in college was a little tough to throw that in, in the middle of my college career, but I definitely started utilizing it more my softball team in the off season would have a yoga instructor come in the fall every Friday. Uh, so that Mm -hmm. was nice because my coach was supportive of it. And sometimes she would have me say like, okay, on an away trip, let's meet in, in a conference room and let's do some yoga. And our coaches would do it with us too. So that was kind of my journey in college. And then I decided that I wanted to do a training and I did that five month training and I didn't know where it was going to take me at that point. I wasn't like, I'm going to teach this to athletes. I just wanted to learn yoga and the science behind it and just get better at it myself. But then as I started to feel how my body was changing and also mind you, this is post athlete. So your body changes post athlete, (laughs) but that's a whole nother conversation. It definitely is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then I was like, I want to start teaching it to, to my softball girls. I'm already coaching. And so um, I was given an opportunity to do that in small group classes and it just kind of blossomed from there. And I would say the reason I wanted to is because it's, it's like a hidden gem 
honestly. It really is because, and of course, I didn't exactly know how this was going to help other athletes or younger softball players. I was just like, we're going to go for it. It can't hurt them. It can only help them. And so their feedback has really taught me the importance of incorporating it in your training, just as you do with your hitting lesson, your pitching, your catching lesson yoga and strength and conditioning yoga is something that makes you um it's like cross training right i think um one of the questions that we're asked a lot as coaches is should my daughter play another sport um what is the value in that and um, the value is making them a more well-rounded athlete because you use different muscle groups to do different movements well yoga is hitting all the movements all the muscle groups and it's helping to keep your muscles lengthened because if you think about um, doing a squat or using weights, like that's shortening your muscles. That's basically shortening your muscles so that they get bigger and stronger. But if they're never lengthened, then they lose that mobility. They lose that flexibility that they had before you incorporated that training. And so that's what I've started to see with my athletes, especially, um, with shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles, um, not to mention balance. I could go on and on about that, but, uh, <laughs> what really, fueled me to want to continue teaching it to athletes is their feedback and how I've seen them incorporate it into their lives. And I um, just coached a softball camp a few weeks ago. And this girl from Texas comes up to me and she said, I watched your yoga videos at softball school last year. And I love yoga because of you. And I still do it till this day. And, and those are, those are the wins, right? It's not about me. It's about them putting in the work and inspiring them to want to continue to do it and make that um, choice for themselves. So, oh, I love that so much. And it's so true. When you talk about it as almost cross training, I was just thinking of this. So I try to like schedule my workouts to like do yoga this morning, but I, I ended up lifting this morning, but yesterday I did yoga and the reason why I chose to do yoga instead of lift yesterday was because I was extremely sore the day before. Like I did this like crazy leg thing. And then the next day I was just like, I was just tired and I was sore and I was kind of stressed. I mean, there's a lot of things going on, but Mm -hmm. like literally because I know what yoga will make me feel because I know it's going to help me, you know, de-stress, relax, focus on me, get internal because for a long time I was getting external and my body was just like exhausted it was like the perfect thing to just whip out at that time. Um, and I know like some athletes that are like, you know, they're on the strict schedule. They're probably lifting when they're sore. But like just knowing that it's there, like that's all I did yesterday. And I was so happy. I don't know if you ever dealt with this like post-athlete thing. We just talked about this like before we started recording. But I struggled so much. I tried to like train the same way that I did when I was an athlete. <laughs> And dude, like, that's dumb. I tried it for like a year. I was like, this sucks (laughs) because it does. I mean, when you're in the college realm, it's you're, you're practicing for four hours a day, well, two to four hours a day. And then you have to go lift, um, in the mornings or in the afternoons and your body's just always tired. And yoga, when I was introduced to it and I really took it seriously, it was like that perfect balance. I felt like, and I I know you mentioned balance before, um, but to think about it, like you were one of the best hitters in the SEC. You probably had incredible balance as a hitter. Do you think that had to do with your yoga practice? Absolutely. What I wanted to just add quickly when you're talking about the lifting and all the things practice, all the things we have to do. 
nine out of 10 times they tell you to stretch, but it's on your own time. It's always like, make sure you stretch before, get to the field early or after or in between, whatever it is, do this on your own time. But what do you do in that time? Right. And most of the time you end up not doing it because you don't know what to do or you don't know what's actually going to be helping you. Right. So a space for yoga where yoga comes in. Cause I, I did do it during college and I did hot yoga a lot. Actually, that's where I started my yoga practice and the balance was just a challenge. Like I, I'm so proud of my balance till this day. I'm like, look what I can do because I just think it's so cool to have balance, to be able to balance on one. If you can balance on one foot, you can definitely balance on two in your stance as a hitter, right? And I always teach hitting as like your legs are the foundation. And a lot of my younger girls, they don't have a lot of body awareness and their lower half is really hard to create a sturdy foundation because they're not using something else to work on that. Sometimes you have to, just as you do a row or a pull up, like you're working your other muscles so that you can support a stronger arm, right? But what are you doing to support your balance or the strength in your legs? Like, yes, you're building strength by squatting and doing all those things, but what are you doing to actually, my back leg is gonna carry the majority of my balance and weight right now. But, but how do you, you can't train that unless you're doing pistol squats, which I don't recommend. So maybe don't do that. But, um, I would say balance was a huge key, the balancing postures. And sometimes when I'm feeling off balance in my stance, not being able to control my lower half, I would do, um, a few different balancing postures in yoga because it's not just about your leg. It's about engaging your core. It's about, um, your posture. It's more than just, Oh, my legs are feeling shaky today. Um, so I would say that it was a huge help in uh, my hitting game. Yeah. I'm thinking about it too, as a hitting instructor, it's like, I teach my athletes to have a strong front leg and have like a strong glute and a back leg at the same time. And like when you're holding positions like warriors, like warrior one and warrior two, like you're, you're developing a strong foundation below and you have to hold it Mm -hmm. and like, it's almost like doing a wall sit. You know how much wall sits like suck, but like you're holding it and then you like end it and you're like, oh my gosh, like look what I just did. But also like you're working on that isometrics that's like huge to strength training, but you're doing it without lifting weights. And it's just, I love yoga so much. So you mentioned like how you weren't ever doing it in practice, but how often should we as athletes, let's say youth athletes, high school athletes, college athletes, how often should they be stretching or doing a type of yoga practice, do you think? So I'm gonna go with a recommendation um, because this is going to be, you know, more or less is fine. Um, This is going to depend on individuals. And before I give out the magic number or whatever it may be, I wanna say that your yoga practice should be something that isn't a chore to incorporate in your day. It's something that you look forward to and it's also meant to de-stress. So if you're like, I have to schedule this into my day because I have to do it and I need to do it X amount of times a week, Um, you're kind of pulling away, you're pulling back from the benefits of the whole like mindfulness, relaxation and flexibility, balance and mobility. Uh, so I, I would recommend three times a week. Um, it could be 20 minutes 
or less, honestly, even if you, even if you did it every day for five minutes, um, it's better than doing nothing. So I personally stick with the recommendation of three times a week, 20 minutes at least. Um, but I know sometimes we don't have that time. My suggestion is to pick three postures and hold them each for a minute on each side, maybe do them twice. And if that's all you have for the day, then that's great. Um, but another piece which we haven't gotten into yet is the breath and relaxation of yoga. And sometimes mm-hmm. yoga isn't moving your body as well. Yeah, it's totally meditative. Yeah, we will definitely dive into that. But I'm so glad you mentioned that like you should look forward to this. Like, I can't tell you how many athletes I've worked with in the past. And I don't really think any of my athletes do this now. Like, they look forward to even hitting lessons or working on their own at home on their swing. But, like, there are a lot of athletes that I've met before that just internally just don't want to do it. They're like, I could play with my friends. I could play a video game. I could do all these other things. And I'm like, if softball is a chore, we shouldn't be doing it. Same thing with yoga. Same thing with stretching. Like, if it is, like the last thing you want to do, then maybe like figure out what's the most important because you should enjoy it. And, and here's the thing, like, like I said before, I didn't enjoy it the first time, but like the more I just did it, it was even like just one time a week. It, that one time a week turned into two times. And then that two times turned into like three times. And it, it just, it's something that if you feel nervous to start, just do one time a week. And then see if you can like work up to three if you want to. That's like a really, really great recommendation. I love that. So I personally think after you play a game of softball or have a practice, you should be stretching. You should be doing something to just make sure you're taking care of your muscles, the things that just work their butt off for three plus hours and do some sort of stretching. So what would you say like maybe a five to 10 minute stretch, just something easy to do at the end of a big game or a practice that people can implement to their practice. Yeah. So I created a couple like routines that was a pregame and post game. Uh, and there, I think it's about five postures and it basically is hitting the core muscle groups that we just used. There are a couple shoulder stretches um, that I recommend doing. That's a before and after. Um, also some twisting postures um, because if you think about it, when you're hitting, you're twisting your torso, right? Um, when you're throwing, you're twisting your torso. If you are righty-righty, you're always twisting the same way, right? So if you're righty-lefty you're you know, vice versa, good for you. You get to twist opposite ways. But <laughs> this is the softball kind of thing is that you're always doing repetitive motions in the same direction. And you don't tend to do it in the next direction, right? So twisting is, or in the opposite direction, there's only two you can go. (laughs) But you're repetitively doing the same motion in the same direction. And so that tends to strengthen one side of your body more than the other, which means that it compensates, which sometimes turns into injuries because it's compensating for the other side. This is not something that would really be in your awareness. So twisting is a huge thing that I recommend doing and making sure that you do it on both sides. Um, One thing that I want to note is that sometimes I think they may tell you to um, hold a stretch or do more exercises on one side, on your least dominant side than the other. 
Um, that can be good in maybe like physical therapy exercises or more resistance training. But I would say that you want to do hold the stretches evenly as evenly as possible on both sides. Um, that's just better balance for yoga. Um, but if recommendations for other things, um, like resistance training, that that's fine. And then of course, hamstrings and quads. Um, we want to hit hamstrings and quads, um, after a game as well as our hips. And hips are probably the stretch that my students don't like to do. Hips and stuff like that. And I can also, uh, Ashley, I can send you over a little routine that you can include if you'd like to for, for your athletes as well. Oh, 100%. I'll put that in the show notes so people can refer to it once it's, yeah. once it's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. I'm yeah. going to start doing it. jumping in super quick in this episode with Kaylea, which I know you're already loving, to let you know something that I've brought back. So in the past, I used to do Monday Lives at around 3 p.m. Eastern. Sometimes it'd be later um, on Mondays. And I stopped doing those for personal reasons, but I want to bring them back and I want to bring them back better. I almost got burnt out the first time because I would always bring up a topic that was on my mind, but you know, I'd always have to stop in the middle of all your questions. So I, I decided I'm going to bring these back, but I'm going to make them totally focused on the current questions that you have in the game of softball right now. Um, I've already done two of these, but at 4 p.m. Eastern on Mondays, I'm going to be going live on Instagram only. I used to do Facebook, TikTok, all these things at once, but it's just going to be on Instagram. I'm going to answer your questions, the questions that you have that you're going through right now in this game. So on Sunday nights in my Instagram stories, I'm going to put up a chat box to say, ask your questions here. So if you want to know specific softball questions, base running questions, hitting questions, whatever it is that's on your mind, ask it there. And those are going to be my main priority of answering those questions when I go live from 4 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern, pretty much every Monday. Um, So if you want to join that on Sunday nights, pop in your questions there. But if you want to take it to a whole nother level, if you ask a question, um, I may be reaching out to some of you saying, hey, do you want to actually go live with me? Um, I tend to thrive better as a coach when I'm looking at someone. (laughs) As you guys see, I love these interviews and you can find these interviews of when the cleats come off on YouTube. I love interaction. I love seeing your face. I love asking you questions. So if you want to do a little live with me, um, I may be reaching out to you if you ask me a question on Instagram. If you don't, that's totally fine. Just type in your question and I'm going to spend my Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern answering those questions for you. As life kind of punches us in the gut sometimes, sometimes I won't be present on those Mondays, but I'm going to try to be consistent with these and do them just about every single Monday. So you'll be able to find me 4 p.m. Eastern on Instagram live. And if you ask a question and can't be there live, those IGTVs will always be saved on Instagram. Um, and I'll probably be posting them on Facebook as well after it's done. So don't be afraid to ask a question. I want this to be a community where we can, you know, get through the game of softball together. So this is a little resource I want to give you guys. So Tune in next Monday. Can't wait to see who asks to go live or just asks a question. I'm really excited to give you guys this resource. Um, It's been on my heart for a while and it's back. All right, let's head back to the episode with Kalia Snare. 
That's so good that you broke down the muscle groups, especially because you said your legs are your foundation. Definitely spend time on those. I mean, it's literally holding the rest of your body. That's going to be so awesome. People are going to be able to like download it, do it whenever. That's so great. That's so cool. I did not ask her to do that, by the way. So this is a gift to all of us. Yes. Um, so I was actually listening to a podcast this morning because I'm a junkie when it comes to podcasts. And it talked about how meditation and yoga decreases your cortisol levels, which we don't have to get into the science of it, but you probably geek out with the science because that's why you love yoga so much. But that type of meditation, like you said, is like helping with stress. How is it doing that? Without getting like too technical, like for people that don't know anything about the human body, like how does it de-stress you? So without getting technical, it's difficult for me. I also have my master's in exercise physiology. So I understand the physiology of the body at a pretty, I don't want to say advanced, but whatever. I understand, I understand um, the physiology of the body and that's what's cool about kind of using it, my knowledge in conjunction with yoga. Yeah. So cortisol is a hormone. That's all you need to know. Hormones regulate mood um, and it's released when we're stressed. Um, more of it is released when you're stressed, less of it when you're not, right? Um, so stress on the body is not just mental, um, it's physical, right? So I, I like to remind people of that, that when people say I'm stressed, you're carrying that. Women carry stress in their shoulders and in their hips, generally speaking. Um, mm. Men, it depends, it's usually in their back or neck. So that's just something to keep in mind, right? So with meditation, there's the mindfulness piece and there's the physical piece. Okay. So the physical piece is the breathing. Um, if you breathe and you go, do you, do you feel relaxed? Do you feel like you took in any air? Do you feel any different after? No, you're sighing because you have X, Y, and Z to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's even when you're up at bat or you're in a stressful situation and you go to take your breath. Cause I know coaches always tell you to breathe. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay, coach, okay, coach. But, <laughs> but what is you're the panting? Breathing? You're like, I am breathing. I'm alive. I'm breathing, right? So just think about those stressful moments. So meditation, the breathing aspect is to bring your awareness to how to breathe. And that's more of the deep breaths rather than they are the shallow breaths. So in meditation, you work on breathing from your diaphragm, which is from your belly, essentially. Um, and shallow breath is breathing like directly from your chest. So the, um, the deep breathing is the one that expands your lungs, allows your body to get a bigger breath than you would than your normal breathing. And in that way, you're regulating your hormones, you're regulating your stress, you're regulating, relaxing your muscles in layman's terms, right? Mm -hmm. And then the mindfulness piece of it. So we all know that we, we as Americans have a gazillion things to do in a day, whether we planned it or not, we have, we have a lot of time constraints and demandments, right? And so practicing meditation is a time where you're not trying to turn off your thoughts. You're just trying to regulate them. So you're bringing it to one focus, whether that's just focusing on a word, it can be an affirmation, right? Or it's focusing on counting your breath. Um, either way, the concept of multitasking in psychology is not possible. Your brain can only do one thing at one time or focus your full attention on it. Yes, you can be drinking water and looking at your phone and stuff like that. Um, but really your mental focus and attention can only be on one thing. And so the mindfulness aspect of it is I don't care what I have to do outside of these five to 10 minutes, 20 minutes that I'm meditating. 
this is the moment that I'm in. This is the moment I'm focusing on. And that in turn for athletes is like, I'm up to bat. I'm locked in. I'm not worried about the fans. I'm not worried about what happens, the outcome. I'm worrying about being locked in in the moment. And when a coach asks you to be in the moment, when a coach asks you to breathe, how do you do that? I think that's a lot of the times the missing piece um, is you're asking your athlete to do some things that they don't know how to do. So again, it goes back to the practice. How do you hit the ball? How do you stay inside of the ball? How do you make an accurate throw? How do you block a ball? We practice those things, right? But you can't just throw out, breathe, be mentally tough and- Expect that to happen. Yeah, agreed. Well, this is the perfect segue. So I've asked Kalia to lead us through like a two to three minute just meditation. So I really hope that this can be something where if, if you're driving your car, like don't do this right now. (laughs) If you're, if you're doing something like where you need to be completely focused, don't do this now, like pause it and do it later. But I really want this to kind of be something where we can all just kind of de-stress together. So are you ready to lead us through this little segment? Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm going to step away from my mic. So I don't like breathe super heavy into my mic, but I'm ready when you are. Okay, perfect. So it's a grounding meditation and it, um, just to remove any stigma from meditation, this is simply focusing on your breathing, focusing on becoming aware of your surroundings and your body. Um, there are aspects of yoga and meditation that can be, um, spiritual and can be, and that's practiced more in Eastern medicine than it is in the Western culture. So just know that this is just breathing. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll go ahead and start with your eyes open. And this is an awareness meditation where you just start to um, look around the room. Okay. I'm not watching you. You're not watching me. So um, just start to look around the room and noticing where you are and just see if you um, notice anything different than maybe you haven't. Uh, It can be colors It can be textures or shapes. Just coming into the moment of where you are. Beginning to feel safe and comfortable. Just taking a moment to become aware. And then after you've done that in your space, you're welcome to close your eyes if that feels comfortable to you. If it doesn't, you can keep your eyes open. But we're just going to take a moment to listen to the sounds in the environment that you are and try to listen to just the softest sound in the room. Now shifting your um, your attention to your body, we're going to start with a brief body scan, just starting at our toes, just noticing how your toes are feeling 
and then going up through your ankles. You can be noticing tension or softness. Maybe noticing areas as you move up through your knees that need to be relaxed. Noticing areas that you can send some breath to. Moving across your thighs and up into your hips. Maybe carrying some of that stress. Just noticing it, not trying to do anything. We're just moving effortlessly, scanning our body up through our back and our rib cage. Coming through the neck and tops of the shoulders. See if you can soften your facial expressions. That means the space between your eyebrows is wrinkle-free. Try to let your jaw hang heavy, not clenching your teeth. And then going all the way through the crown of your head. Taking a moment here. And now we're gonna bring our hands to our lower belly, keeping your eyes closed if that feels safe. And we're gonna just start breathing just in your normal rhythm. Not trying to put any effort into this, but just noticing your normal rhythm of your breath. And together, we're going to inhale through our nose and feel like you're filling your belly up like a balloon, expanding your belly out into your hands. And then we're going to exhale through our nose and deflate that balloon and allow your belly to return back to its natural, comfortable spot. We'll do that two more times. Inhale, expand the belly, fill up your lungs. And exhale, slowly releasing, returning back to center. One more time, your biggest inhale, expand the belly. Exhale, longest breath, nice and slow. Go ahead and take three more breaths, your own pace. You should start to feel deeper and longer breaths. And of course, you can stay here for as long as you want, extending your practice. Or if you're with me, we're going to take our palms of our hands together and just rub them together like you're starting a campfire. Take an inhale here. Cover your eyes and take your exhale. And if your eyes were closed, softly blink your eyes open. 
And that is your practice. Thanks for joining me. (laughs) (laughs) That was, I need to do this before every interview. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so weird doing this and realizing my posture changes. Mm -hmm. Being able to fill my stomach or my belly, your diaphragm. Mm -hmm. I had to be taller. And it makes sense, like, when you say softball players are always hunching, like, if I was hunching, that wouldn't have worked. Right. I had to, like, extend myself up, and wow. That was... I felt like I left this planet, and now I'm back. Is that how right. it's supposed to feel? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how... I didn't time how long that was, so it couldn't have been more than three, four minutes. But it, it's because you left your worries, your next thing, editing this video, whatever you have on your mind. And you're like, I'm focusing on this for three minutes. And it's, it's crazy how refreshing that could be. Right. Um, because we live in a fast paced world where you have homework, you get a text, right? You're working on your homework. You get a text. Your, your attention is shifted, right? You're working on your computer. You get an email. Oh, what's that? Right. We don't take time to just take three minutes out of our day to just refocus. And what if you did this three times throughout the day? Right. Like that's less than 10 minutes and just took those mental breaks. But yeah, I thank you for the feedback because I love to hear how, how it affects other people, because again, it's going to be different. And you, good observation with if you're crunched over, your diaphragm's compressed, so your your lungs are never going to expand as much as they can, right? Um, but when your posture is taller and your body automatically, it knows what to do, right? It knows how to breathe. It knows what position it needs to be in. But now we're bringing that mindfulness piece to it of how how can I get the most out of um my, my energy, my lungs, my mental capacity, how can I get the most out of it? And that's what this whole yoga and meditation practice is, if you're yeah. wondering. <laughs> yeah. So should we do this before we're about to walk into a stressful situation, aka a game? Should we do it after? Like, when do you recommend doing this type of practice? Obviously not while driving a car. Yeah. So um, <laughs> there's a couple of times that I would recommend doing it. Um, one would be the night before a game. So that's where you can also add in a visualization piece to it as well. And that is um, visualizing yourself being successful, Um, working on your goals and how you want to see yourself um, competing in your game. It's a great way to visualize that and incorporate the breathing the night before, right? Because then you go into the game and you take those breaths, guess what you're triggering? Your, your brain associates things together, right? So now you're doing that deep breathing. You take those deep breaths in the game. Now you're triggering, oh, I've been mentally repping what I'm prepared to do. Granted, that doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be what you visualized, right? Yeah. But it prepares you to be more successful than being tight and having those shallow breaths. And then again, so this could be um, also using this breath before the game or you're at bat, your coach calls a timeout. I need a, I need a few moments to take those breaths. You can take three breaths. Um, I used to go up to bat and I would step into the box and I would take one deep breath. And that was my signal that I was ready to go. But that's part of my routine. Um, so I would say that as well. And then anytime that you can do this breathing, even if you're at school, um, you have some time to just 
if you're a little stressed, just take those, take those mental breaks. I like to just call them little mental breaks in your day. Um, but specifically to training, I would say the night before is a great time to do it, add visualization to it, and then add that piece in the game. Whenever you feel it, you feel those high pressure situations, you feel that high stress, take the time. There's always time. <laughs> There's always mm-hmm. time to refresh and take that um, mental reset. That way you can focus and be confident that your body is relaxed and ready to do the things that you've been practicing doing. Oh, it's a beautiful point. I mean, we just watched the Olympics. And I mean, if you look at every single one of those elite hitters, there's at least one deep breath that they're taking mm-hmm. at some period of time. I mean, I even see Monica Abbott's doing it on the mound. Kat Osterman's doing it. Like it's if you look hard enough, you look, you'll be able to see the the best of the best are taking time for themselves to check in and be aware of their body and go do the thing. So it's so true. I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've literally shared this, this small little thing for, for athletes to think about. It's your best hit, your last best hit. What were you doing? Were you stressing? Were you tense? Or were you loose and relaxed? Mm-hmm. And like every, every time... I was loose. I'm like, okay, well, here's a strategy to help you get loose mm-hmm. and, and get back to honing in on what you want to do. Like you said, with the visualization practice, just let it fly. Right. And great point in saying it's not always going to work out the way you plan it to, but you're giving yourself more of a chance to make it happen. And sometimes it does. Mind you, the visualization yeah. can also be um, you just repeating affirmations with your yeah. breathing. Um, because I love that you said strategies, right? Here are the strategies, not here's the tool, here's the fix, right? Mm -hmm. Here are the strategies that you can practice to help yourself become more successful. I would say I'm not being generous here, like maybe five to eight times I had been on deck reading the situation, right? Like Mm. looking at the score, there's two runners on, like if she gets on, I'm up or if she gets out, there'll be one out, but I'll still be up. And there had been times where I'm like, it'd be really nice for me to hit a home run in this situation or like me sitting and being intentional with my visualization and hitting a home run. And every time, even when I think back to it, I'm like, how is that possible? Like, it, <laughs> like it, it didn't, I wish, I wish it worked every time. Cause trust me, I visualize hitting a lot of home runs that I did not hit a home run at the bat or even become successful in it. But there were those times where I'd come back and be like, you're not going to believe this, but I visualized this or I was thinking through this situation. And it's because your, your mind doesn't know if you did something physically or if you just mentally repped it. Your brain yeah. doesn't know. It doesn't know, right? Mental reps. That's so good. I love that. So you have to be intentional with your mental reps though. And again, the home run's not always the home run. It's, I got to get this bunt down to sacrifice myself you know, for the team, it's the home run is the big shiny bow. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but the bunts matter too. Right. And so, and this can be done on defense. I'm just sharing personal experiences where I still was like, I can't believe that just happened, but I was locked into, okay, this is how I'm preparing my body to be the most successful and the outcome that I would like and what I would need to do for my team. Now that could have been a sacrifice fly too, but either way, I'm more in a mindset of taking the pressure off of me and knowing that I have the ability to do it. I loved visualizing um, things that are at bats I had already done, like times where I was already successful to remind myself, 
hey, I'm capable. Hey, I may be struggling these last 10 at bats, but I can do this. I've done this before. I can do it again. And so I also, sorry, I can get geeked out about visualization all day because I think it's awesome. So I love this. I love this. It's taking, you know, the stigma away for, for a lot of people right now. Like, I just know for a fact, people are like, wait, yoga is not just like looking silly on the floor, like in this. No, it's checking in with yourself. Right. It truly is. And you must have done, like, here's the deal. An athlete's going to go up to bat after this. I can just visualize it. I can see it happening. And she's going to be like, I'm going to think a home run and I'm going to hit a home run. Okay. The reason why Kalia was able to do that was because she had put in the mental reps a thousand times before that. The Absolutely. more you put into it, the more you see yourself and know what it feels like to hit a home run, to be loose, to dig into the floor with your cleats. Like she knows what that feels like. And that's the reason why she was able to do it so much, so many times, like eight times being able to call it out. Like that's insane. But just understand that like Kaleo is one of the best hitters in the entire nation. And it took the mental reps. It took thousands upon thousands of reps for that to be able to, to seem as simple or easy as it was. Right. That's so amazing. And I will say, and thank you for bringing that up again, this whole conversation, if you learn anything from it, it's that you have to practice at what you want to get better at or where, and you have to know why are you wanting to do yoga? Why are you going to your hitting lesson? What is your motivation and what do you want? It has to be behind it because you will never be successful or consistent with something unless you have a motivation behind it. You, you won't continue to do it. It's, it's just, it's not a personal thing. It's your brain thing. Everybody's brain. If you don't have a why behind it, you will not be able to be consistent at it. You may start it and you might drop off. I committed to the visualization, committed to the breathing because it not only helped me with the outcomes I wanted to have, it also made me feel good, right? Mm -hmm. It also made me be able to um, handle failure, right? How do you fail your recovery? That's a whole nother thing as well. But you have to practice knowing that that at bat or that game or these five games did not determine the player that I am, did not determine what I'm capable of. And I am able to move forward because of the practice that I've had. And that practice is the mindfulness. That is the relaxation. That is the recovery and trusting that you have the ability to learn something new or to do something different. And I think that yoga and meditation are just the tools to help you do that. Amen. Amen. So I know so many people have learned so much from you. Um, and just the knowledge that you have for the human body and being in tune with it, where can people find you and follow you so they can see more from you? Uh, so I have, I actually have an eight week yoga for softball course. I'll give Ashley all the things, give me mm-hmm. you know all the links. And, um, I also have posted many things on my, um, Instagram as well. And I am currently working on a Facebook page. So to be announced for that. Um, But I would love to start getting more girls incorporated in the virtual space. So that's something that will be a future minded thing. And I want to be able to bring a community online so that we can have some accountability and we can do this together. That's coming soon. And then I also will share that PDF with you, Ashley. And that's just something that if you listen to this, then thank you for listening. And you can just have that and give us 
you know, for your, for your girls. I love it. I love your mission to help athletes just get in tune with themselves. And I I saw a quote that you said, um, on your own Instagram, of course I had to like check in and make sure I saw everything, but you said feeling good is a state of mind. Yeah. And you're in charge of feeling good and you're in charge of putting yourself first and, and you do such a great job of that. Um, so I will put all of those ways you can, you know, find her on Instagram, find her PDF and her Facebook page. That's exciting. I can't wait to join that. Um, I'll put everything that I have in the show notes. Um, and I'm sure you'll be posting on your social as well once that Facebook page is up. But if you're up for it, I got five final questions okay. for five to thrive that are rapid fire. Give me the first thing that comes to mind. You ready to do this? Yeah, this is fun. All right. Okay. Athletes love pressure and you're just like, I see you like moving around in your chair. Like, let's go. Yes, here we are. Okay. What is the greatest lesson yoga has taught you? Greatest lesson is that you can fail a hundred times. And that one time that you get it right, it outshines those moments. Mm, Beautiful answer. I love that. What's your favorite softball memory? Softball memory is um, SEC tournament playing Mizzou. Um, I was two strikes, two outs, two runners on, bottom of the seventh, um, hit a three run home run to tie the game. But that wasn't my favorite moment because my teammate um, had been sitting the whole time. She got pinch hit the next inning, hit a home run off a changeup that won the game. And celebrating in the dugout, like when I had hit my home run, she's like, I knew you could do it. And I was like, your moment will come too. Boom, hits a home run and we win the game. Oh, I have goosebumps. I love that story. That's amazing. All right, now there's a lot of parents listening and coaches, but what is the greatest lesson that your parents taught you growing up? My mom is a psychologist. And so there are so many lessons that she taught me. Um, But one of the things that I appreciated from her is that she never tried to make me do something that she wanted me to do. She said, if this is something that you want to work for, then I'm gonna help guide you, but I'm not gonna tell you the things that you need to do. I'll get you the resources, the help, the coaches, whatever you need, but this is something you decide to do. And I think um, one one of the biggest things from that is that she's, has always told me that you can't self-actualize someone else's potential, but you can self-actualize yours. And so I think that's a big piece for parents to think about too, is that as much as you see in your children, if they're not having the drive, putting the effort, then maybe it's time to have another conversation of what it really is that they want to do. And so I think that was a huge lesson for me and interacting with other people now as an adult is that you can't pull things out of people all the time. You have to guide them in that. Whoa. Whoa. I know a lot of minds just blew right now. It's just like, what? <laughs> my, mom's tell you- my mom's words. My mom's words. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of parents that have reached out to me. They're like, how do I get my kid to be more motivated? And I'm like, it's got to come from them. Like it totally does. Oh, I love that. Okay. Before I ask the final question, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. This is a long time coming simply because I've known you. It seems like forever, but I know it hasn't been forever, but I'm so excited for what you're, what you're doing with this community. You're you're literally starting something that doesn't exist and you have my full support. I know so many here listening are going to be following you and supporting you through your journey and just keep shining your light on this game because 
you're kicking butt and I, I just can't wait to see where this where this all takes you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, thank you for having me. This has been super fun. I've never <laughs> been on a podcast before, but let's do it again sometime. This really? is awesome. Yeah. This is the first, okay, hopefully first of many. Anybody yeah. out there that, that is listening that has a podcast, you, y'all need Kaylee on your podcast. Okay, final question I'm excited to, to ask you is, what's something that you wish more people knew about yoga? I wish more people knew that it's versatile. Um, I wish people knew that you don't have to have a certain body type or certain experience level to practice it. Um, that if you're not comfortable walking into a studio, that there are instructors like me or other people who are willing to walk alongside of you and, um, and help you to get to where you want to be, but you don't have to be able to touch your toes. I think that's my biggest thing. I wish people knew about yoga is that you don't have to touch your toes, that there are so many modifications and ways to use yoga. I work with a patient right now who can only sit in a chair and do yoga. And to me, that's amazing to see the progress that she has come from when I'm used to working with athletes and I'm sitting here on a chair teaching yoga and she's making strides in her health. And so I just want everybody to know that yoga is for everybody, everybody, and you don't have to be able to touch your toes to start a practice. Hmm. Such a good point. Such a good point. I love, I love that. I love that answer. And I love you. Thank you so much for coming on. I think there's going to be another point in time where we're going to need to hear more. We're going to have to do more meditations in the future. This was so fun. Thanks so much for coming on, Kalia. 